Now let's open our Bibles to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2. And let's go ahead and stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter number 2, it was originally in my heart to begin a series tonight. And I'm going to hold that off until next week. And Lord willing, we'll, we'll launch out into that series next week. But I have a, a burden on my heart, and I pray that I'm able to communicate this with some, some measure of effectiveness tonight. But let's first look at the text of Scripture. Colossians chapter number 2, the Apostle Paul is going to write to a church that he most likely did not plant and had not visited. They had never seen his face, but they shared something. They shared a Savior. They shared a purpose. They shared a goal concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we read in Colossians 2 verse 1, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and all riches of the full, full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. As ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving." Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Father, I pray that you would bless this time that we have. Dear God, although our time be short, I pray that your spirit be powerful. And Father, that you would expose our greatest weakness tonight. Father, that we would see your word as it is written directly unto us. And Father, I pray that you would help me, your messenger tonight. Father, if there be anything that lie between me and you, I pray that you would remove it by the blood of your Son. Fill me with your spirit for your eternal purpose. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are two verses in this passage that stand out. The first one is the one for which 
our focus and title will be derived. Verse number seven, the Bible says that we should be rooted and built up in Him. Established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And that opening phrase before the comma in verse number seven echoes in my mind that we be rooted and built up in Him. And all the pictures that run through my childlike mind as I imagine my roots running deep into the soil which is Jesus Christ himself that I might be nourished and founded upon him and then my mind races back to one of the opening verses in the beginning of this chapter verse number three and and I draw a direct line from verse number three to verse number seven and verse number seven back to verse number three as we read this fact, this truth, this reality concerning Christ in whom are hid, notice this, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I stand amazed at who God is, that in him are the treasures of all wisdom, the treasures of all knowledge, the treasures of all sufficiency, and they are all in Christ. And those believers in Colossae who had not come face to face with Paul, who had not been in the flesh with him, but have shared with him this love for the Lord and this commitment, they needed to be reminded of the nature and the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not see this coming to them in a corrective sense, but rather an encouraging sense. I know sometimes... I, I feel that I, that I spend perhaps too much time with the manners of correction. And I almost get the sense sometimes that when I come behind the pulpit, there's this, oh no, idea. And maybe that's not the case, but it feels like it sometimes. I feel sometimes that whenever I'm with someone counseling, even one-on-one, that there is some fear and trepidation because they are talking with the pastor, Correction is coming. And no doubt that is a responsibility that has been given to me by God to take the Word of God and like that sharp two-edged sword to go in and correct and rightly divide the Word of truth and confront error and confront false doctrine and confront fleshly living and confront a a misconstrued idea of who God is. But that is not at all the sentiment that I see here as the ink flows quickly from his pen. But instead, I see Paul exhorting a church that has already grasped hold of this truth. And what he's saying is, pursue it even more. Pursue it even more when he comes to this reality that in him in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I get the sense that those in Colossae have already discovered that in Jesus Christ lie the richest treasures and the deepest knowledge and the most satisfying, the most satisfying nourishment is all in Christ. And he comes to them and and explains on a theological level who Christ is as we discovered and explored on Wednesday night, verses number 14 and 15 of chapter 1. He describes that in Christ 
we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And the Apostle Paul has some things to say, but he says them only in light of a proper understanding of who Christ is. And then he has a practical responsibility that is then to be taken and and lived as a result. And he says in verse number 6 of chapter number 2, he says, For as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, Now that you've received this reality that He is the one that is preeminent, He is the pre-existent one, He is the Creator God, He is the one that was before all things and after all things, He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in Him He might have the preeminence. After they have discovered all of these truths, He says, as ye therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, He makes this statement, so walk ye in him. Walk in him. And this is the command given to us as well. So walk ye in him. I want you to notice the uniqueness of this phrase. So walk ye in him. Because often we hear it, so walk ye for him. But that is not what is said. Yes, there are many times that we should walk for Him and stand for Him and go for Him on His behalf, at His calling, in obedience to Him. But that is not the command of this passage. The command here is to so walk ye in Him. And I would like to preach a message this night entitled, Rooted and Built Up. Rooted and Built Up. For what I discover in this passage is that if we are to walk in Him, not just for Him, not just with Him, not just on His behalf, but if we are to truly walk in Him, then we must be in Him. In Him, we must live and do and and we must have our being. We must live in Him. And therefore, we must be rooted in Him. For if we are not rooted in Him, our heart will not be satisfied nor nourished in Him. And if a, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we are so distracted by this whole world and, and by our priorities and by our occupations. And, and heaven help us, even distracted by the responsibilities that God has given us. How many of us could, would say that you're a father tonight? And you have been given the responsibility. That's right. Hands up. Don't be afraid. I got mine up too. My, my three little girls are all home tonight. I got some sick ones. I've been given a responsibility to raise my children as a father. Are there any mothers? I won't raise my hand. I'm not one of those. But as representative of my wife who is not here tonight. 
children that are here tonight, did you know you have a responsibility in Christ? Now, you might not know a lot about your responsibility, but it's this. Allie Joe, don't be worried now. You have a responsibility to obey, not just to obey, but to honor your father and mother. If you're a child in here, could I, could I see your hands? If you don't have your hand raised, let me tell you a little bit something about biology. <laughs> you came from somewhere. We're all children. We all have parents. We should honor them. That's something we should do. But sometimes, even in the most essential responsibilities that we have to honor our parents, to love our wives, to raise our children, we don't do so in Him. As a pastor, I I have come across many of my friends, my co-laborers, if you will, and we labor. And I, for as much as people like to, to criticize other pastors, other churches, and, and those sorts of things, I, I don't know that I have ever met a pastor in my life. I mean, personally, I've heard about them, but I, I don't know that I've met any in my life that don't really desire, they might not always achieve this, but really desire to serve the Lord and to do so in humility and in sincerity and see the power of God move. But I also know so many, I know so many that are so focused on the doings of ministry that they forgot the God of ministry. Oh, and it's, it's almost a paradox of sorts to be serving the Lord but not to be doing so in Christ, relying on Him, ensuring that our relationship with Him is highest among all of the priorities of our life. And when I come to that phrase, so walk ye in Him, I realize that the Apostle Paul is reaching out to these believers that are passionate about Christ, that understand His nature and are now beginning to walk in Him. And he calls them that if you're going to walk in Him, or if you're going to walk for Him, you must walk in him and they give some essential truths that are necessary to walking in Christ. They must be rooted and built up. Rooted. Number one, this was the source of nutrition. I'm not a gardener. I've tried to grow a few things before. When we had our landscaping done, my instructions were lowest maintenance possible. Lowest maintenance. Have a way of killing things. My father-in-law, he came not too long ago. We have these um, magnolia trees that were planted in our, in our front yard. And they were looking a little... Uh, malnourished, we'll say. And my father-in-law, he knows quite a bit more about this than, than I do. And he, I came back and there was fresh mulch all around the top of that, of that tree. And he started explaining to me something about moisture and water and roots and systems and stuff. And Okay, and wouldn't you know, the tree started looking a little bit better. Because he understood that there was something that was taking place underneath the surface of the soil that was going to impact every leaf, every vein in that tree. It was going to affect its height and its branches. It was going to affect its endurance in the storm. It was going to affect its blooms and and its future. And, And everything had to do not with what was happening on the branches or in the leaves, but what was under the surface, the roots. 
The roots. The roots, and it's, it's no, no mistake that, that here when we come to this very next phrase after this, this statement, so walk ye in him. And I notice that this is not the end of the sentence in verse number 6. There's a colon there in my Bible. So walk ye in him. Colon. Let's see what follows after. If we are to walk in him, we must be rooted in him. Boy, this is so reminiscent of what Jesus Christ was saying in John chapter 15 when he said to abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. These past couple weeks have been tossing back and forth about a number of things that I feel need preached here at the church. Issues that, that I, I can see coming and, and issues that I see in the lives of, of people. So, Pastor Jared, that's a little bit invasive. Isn't that kind of why I'm here? I've been praying about it. And why there's so many things that we need. So many things that we need. Some of us, we need help in our home. Uh, we need help as husbands loving our wives better. Wives, we need help um, caring for our families and putting ourselves under the authority of our husbands. Uh, children, we need, we need help placing ourselves in a manner of honor before our parents. Uh, many of us, we, we go out to, to work. I mean, you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe the coworkers I got to deal with. Have you seen Pastor Jordan in the morning? But yet I know that there are others that are struggling in that work environment. Struggling with the things that their eyes have to see every single day and the attitudes that surround you. And as you walk into the front door of that office or of that place of your occupation, you are walking into a torrential storm of wickedness, constantly around um, vile people of terrible language. And yes, the Lord loves them all and we should love them, but does it not have its impact Oh, we're surrounded by the philosophies of the world. We'll get to that here in just a moment. And I think these things need to be addressed. And here we are in these times in which our country is crumbling and the moral fiber is, is falling apart. And, and yes, what do we need now? Another election season. Boy, won't that unify and fix everything? The answer is no, by the way. It won't. You know what, if, if I could just give one thing tonight that would help us all, it would be this. We need to start inspecting our roots. John 15, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you ab ye abide in me it is the same exact truth that the source of our nutrition is Jesus Christ. He is the vine. We are the branches. And if we are going to bear fruit, if we are going to bear fruit, we must abide in Him. We must dwell with Him. We must, dare I say, walk ye in Him. And for some of us, our walk with the Lord has become stagnant and dry and you feel the effects of it. You feel the effects because there's no fruit on the branches. 
Your leaves are withering and you're feeling like there's just not as much life as there once was. And you're wondering, why is there so much dryness in my life? And you are looking for the answer. And I'm not sure what conclusions you might be coming to. Maybe you're coming to the conclusion that, that, well, maybe it's the preaching. And maybe it is. Maybe it's the church I'm going to. Maybe it's the work that I'm at. Maybe it's my Sunday school class. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it's, it, it's, it's some other thing. And, and, and you might come up with a thousand different things that you think it might be. Let me tell you the one thing that it actually is. It's whether or not your roots are being nourished in Christ. And no, that's not the job of just Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and Sunday school. Here is the job to deepen your roots in the Word of God, to be nourished thereby. Even Jesus, when he's tempted there by Satan himself, what is his response? He says that man cannot live by bread alone. And it seems like the solution to all of our problems is to grab another piece of bread, another piece of bread. You just want to grab something there quick on the surface to nourish the body. If I could just get a different job or just a different wife or, or just a different life, if I could move to just a different state, then maybe the answer, uh, maybe I'll feel better. No, no, no. You can't just grab another bread crumb. You've got a root problem. Man cannot live by bread alone. And he says this, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, that's how we abide in him. Our roots is where we get our nutrition. I mean, think about this for a moment. The Apostle Paul lived in more adversity than any of us ever will. And some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know, Pastor Jared, it's, it's getting pretty bad. Is it getting so bad that your head is no longer attached? Because that's what happened to Paul. Has it become bad enough? And maybe it will. Maybe it will. But has it yet become bad enough to where you are being hunted down by a pack of evil wolves ready to drag you out of the city, stone you and leave, for you, leave you for dead. No, it's not. And how can we blame the condition of the world on our dried up spiritual condition? What does Paul say? No, you've got to be rooted and built up. It's a root problem. Abide in me. And I knew, see, your root, it's your source of nutrition. And if your roots don't run deep and find that nutrient-rich soil of God's Word and God's grace and God's, oh, the running waters of God's Holy Spirit, then you will feel dry and those branches will wither and that fruit will dissipate and disappear. And you'll find yourself in a place where all you can talk about is how things once were. Boy, I wish that preacher was still here. There's a lot of preachers I wish were still around. Well, remember the good old days when, uh, when, when this was happening, when that was happening? Listen, the problem is not that the days have changed. The problem is that we've stopped focusing on the root. It's the source of, of nutrition. Not only was it the source of nutrition, but a root provides a solid anchor. 
Verse number six is, ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. You ever try to push a tree over? <laughs> Joey's like, yeah, I actually have. <laughs> I remember trying to make a little trail in our yard when I was a teenager. I had this tree just working it over and over. I could bend that thing one way. I could bend that thing the other way. And then I'd let go and it would raise as if from the dead. Because there was a root down there that was still connected. Hurricane Ian just recently swept through the Gulf Coast of Florida, destroying homes, uplifting carports, smashing windows, flooding cars, decimating entire islands and cities. But I'll tell you, a lot of th- I'll tell you one thing that survived is the palm trees. I was amazed when I saw how many palm trees survived Hurricane Katrina when I was in the Pensacola area uh, there when that vicious storm destroyed an entire city. When Hurricane Ivan came through and, and ransacked Pensacola, ripping roofs off of houses, and there were palm trees that were bent almost parallel with the ground. But you know what happened when the wind stopped blowing? They didn't have any leaves left. Their hair was messed up. (laughs) But they stood tall again. And I'll tell you why. It was because they had a root. They had a root that was strong enough to weather the storm. And friends, storms are going to blow. Christ did not call us to a calm sea. He called us into a raging storm. Shouldn't we be reminded what the Lord Jesus Christ said to the disciples when he was sending them out? He was sending them out among wolves. And those same ravenous wolves that existed back then exist still now. Ready to tear down. Ready to plunder the weak. Ready to pick off those whose faith is not founded, is not rooted in Jesus Christ. And that's why the apostles Paul says, so walk ye in him. We must be rooted. Our roots are what provide the source of nutrition, but they also provide that solid anchor for our living. Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 14 says it this way, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Look, if you think that we have weathered the last storm of men's cunning craftiness, uh, you have been fooled. There's going to be other theories come out and, and, and other agendas and other conspiracies and other ideas and everything is going to try to unsettle and tear apart the work that God is trying to do in your life. And you need an anchor, a solid anchor. That is unmovable in the heavens. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. If you're going to walk in him, you must be rooted in him. As we go through this passage in Colossians chapter number 2, I notice in the very next verse, after verse number 7, after we read this, this admonition to be rooted and built up in, not for, but in him, we read in verse number 8, beware. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. 
Now, various commentators have a couple different ideas of what this philosophy might be referring to. It's interesting how you read after one man who thinks he knows everything about the passage and then put him down and pick up another book and read after another man who seems to know everything about this passage and he says something totally different about that philosophy. And the two ideas are this, is that, is that perhaps they were under the, uh, the influence of the, Judea, the Judaizers and the Jewish philosophies which were requiring the Gentiles, which we believe that this was a Gentile church here in Colossae, uh, that, that they were impressing upon them that legalistic requirement that they must adopt all of the rules and regulations of, of the Jewish faith. What the Apostle Paul is saying, don't buy into their philosophy. Be rooted in Jesus Christ. And then the other commentators say this. They say, no, it's not Jewish philosophy. It was the Greek philosophy. It was the Greek philosophy that was prevalent in this day. For this was a, a Greek city speaking the language of Greek, immersed in the culture of Greece, which was a culture, the culture of Aristotle and the culture of Socrates and the culture of the, of the Greek philosophers. They were permeating every aspect of life. And here we have this, this warning, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. You know, I have no idea which one is right concerning which philosophy this might be referring to, but I see them both at hand in today's world. That false sense of security, that if we would just do as the Judaizers were requiring, all of the things of religion... Oh, I'm good with God. I made this sacrifice. I observed that Sabbath. I went to this Sunday school. I stood up and I sang the congregational. I even tithed, Pastor Jared. And I went to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. And, and we're doing all of those things. And I read my Bible and I prayed every single day. And I have checked all of my little blo blocks, blocks, boxes. And look at me. Look at how wonderful I'm doing. And what does the Apostle Paul say? But are you in Christ? Where's your root? Don't fall into that philosophy. Instead, beware of it because it lulls a believer to sleep in the complacency of thinking that they are doing all of the spiritual things and thus avoid the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God because every time it comes by their pew and their heart, they say, no, I'm fine. I'm a Christian and sitting in church. Oh, we ought to wake up. And see that even a religious philosophy can be dangerous. Oh, but what about the worldly philosophy that's around us? Oh, there is no truth. I've got my truth and your truth. And the preacher's got his truth. And I can just do whatever truth I want to do. Oh, and I see how, how perhaps the ambiguity of that word philosophy speaks to the reality of what we really endure for the problems that we face and the issues that disrupt our walk in Christ are sometimes not one prong of attack but many that come all at the same time that we might be influenced by the world's way of thinking in the same time that we are satisfied in our religious exercise and I want to call you to the same calling that the Apostle Paul has called those in Colossae to walk ye in Him and be rooted in Him. 
I can go through philosophy and vain deceit and traditions of men and rudiments of the world, which is the way that the world thinks and the way that the world acts and the way that the world prioritizes life. But the solution to it all is exactly the same, to be rooted in Christ. Rooted and built up. We see Christ. He is the source of nutrition. He is the solid anchor. And lastly, I want you to notice this. That he is also the skilled architect. For it does not just say rooted. But it says to be rooted and built up in him. Little kids, they, they sing that song. He's still working on me. To make me what, he, what I ought to be. No, he's already what he's supposed to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the moon and Mercury and Mars. I think that's it. I don't know. Sounds good. What'd you say? Oh, Jupiter and Mars? You mean he didn't make Mercury? Is that what you're saying? I am, you can ask any of my girls. I'm really good at making up lyrics. I'm really bad at remembering them. Amazing grace, blessed assurance. <laughs> The fact is that God is still at work. He's not done. Salvation is finished. Yes, it is finished. But the work that he desires to do by his hands is not done in us. He is desiring that we would be rooted in him so that we could also be built in him. A tree cannot grow one single inch when removed from the soil. Why is it that he wants us rooted? It's not just for our nutrients, for nutrients' sake. It's not just for our anchor, for an anchor's sake. It's so that he can build us and grow us. I love that phrase mentioned there concerning the building of the church. Jesus said that I will build my church. And just about all of us, we hear that and we start thinking about growth numerically I don't think it's all about growth oh no I think it's not about quantity it's about quality he will grow he will build his church he will build them from the foundational elements of, of salvation by grace through faith and add the work of sanctification in their hearts and will build them up in the most holy faith that is the work that God desires to do in us as we place our roots in him he desires to build you. So let's not get frustrated with the fact that we're not there yet. You're not supposed to be. The work is still ongoing. Under construction is what should be, should be the label of our life. For that is the work that God is doing. He is growing. He is building who we are. If I could say it as the writer of Ephesians says it in chapter number 2. He says in verse number 20. And ye are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And there is that, that foundational root that we are to be in. And the Bible says in verse 21 of Ephesians chapter number 2 it says in whom in whom Jesus Christ not for whom but in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto the holy temple of the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the spirit you see there is a skilled architect that is at work in our lives and if we're feeling 
the effects of malnourishment, dissatisfaction. And maybe it's time to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness again. And to inspect the roots of our own heart and our own life the separation between them and the soil which is Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would be led of His Spirit and rooted in Him and established in the faith. I just want to call us all to a point of introspection tonight that we would look unto the Lord and say the same thing the psalmist did. Search me, O God. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in that way everlasting. That we would be thoroughly yielded to the power and to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rooted and built up in Him.